welcome back to Trash and Treasury with Grace and Miranda. This week on the podcast, for our Treasury segment, we're going to be talking about the Broadway musical that's just come to Disney Plus, Hamilton. So regular listeners of our podcast will know that I am incredibly excited to talk about it, but Miranda has actually never seen it before (laughs) preparing for today's episode. So it'll be quite interesting to hear your thoughts, Miranda. Yes, um, we've <laughs> I've let Grace talk me into this one and um, it's nice and fresh and I'm glad it's fresh because I have a lot of questions. <laughs> I'll explain um, everything. <laughs> I, I need answers. Um, <laughs> Hamilton inspired us to also go down the garden path of petty feuds and Grace and I have both researched independently a different feud and we'll both be surprising each other with them. (laughs) That's right. But first things first, time for Treasury. Hamilton is an award-winning, record-breaking musical that premiered in Broadway in 2015. It was written by Lin-Manuel Miranda, who also plays the lead character of Alexander Hamilton. And it tells the story of the founding fathers of America, how they won their independence from England and developed the political and economic systems that still shape America today. Significantly, Hamilton has colour conscious casting, where pretty much all of the main cast are played by people of colour. So Lin-Manuel Miranda and others have said that that was a really key consideration um, for any of the musicals of Hamilton. It's played all around the world now. And basically, he says, it's the story of America then, told by America now. It's received pretty much universal critical acclaim and engaged people uh, who wouldn't previously be into musical theatre to get into musical theatre and also engaged people in a conversation about politics and civics. And Mm -hmm. Michelle Obama has called Hamilton the best piece of art of any art form that she has ever seen. (laughs) Now, Well, if Michelle said it. Exactly. We love our Michelle. (laughs) Now, similar to Taylor Swift last week, I'm obviously the super fan in this scenario because I talked about it all last season, but you (laughs) had never seen it before this weekend and you've just watched it for the first time. I have. And I, um, I'm a bit mixed feelings about it. Uh, I, I sort of see why there's hype like if that makes sense like I I can sort of um see how it's amazing and groundbreaking um I you know I thought geez a musical one not a huge fan of musicals Mm -hmm. two about American history yeah and three rap (laughs) (laughs) you sound like my dad we watched it with my family and he's like uh is it all gonna be like this and then he fell asleep (laughs) yeah that's hilarious. Uh, yeah, no, I was like, they are the, these are the three things that I, you know, three things that I really dislike. And um, it sounded really boring. And I was like, why is everyone excited about this? So um, what I sort of found really cool and I, and I enjoyed more than I expected was how the rap um, told the story so much because there was almost no dialogue. So it wasn't yeah. just songs. The rap was actually dialogue. So they were moving around the stage and actually rapping and saying saying things and doing things, but while they were, you know, rapping and singing and that's right. And, and actually in an earlier cool. draft there was dialogue, much more like a traditional musical where you'd have some songs and some dialogue. But because 
the raps are so good and the first song the the musical starts with a rap basically yeah. they said the ball was just thrown too high and they couldn't bring it back to just dialogue yes yeah that's true the opening number was my favorite um I thought it was really really cool um I loved it I really loved the intro um and I loved the the costumes I loved the dancers it was just really sleek and cool and um I can see how you know they've they've really moved everyone around the stage in such a clever conscious way to keep people interested and to keep Mm. the vibe going like it was very very cool however yes I was very confused (laughs) yeah I'm totally not shocked to hear that yeah I'm so pissed off that like so many actors played so many characters and I was like I'll tell you about that actually who are you now and also like (laughs) why is he so great like I sort of still don't quite get it like he just was supposed to be this really influential person but like I don't really know why like he just was he just sort of rose up. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't know. I sort of, I sort of lost interest halfway through. I was like, oh, a bit bored of this now. Yeah, and look, to be honest, like I'm totally not surprised to hear that. And I think I actually may have said this to you when it came out because yeah. you were like, "Did you like it?" I'm like, "Yes." Like I'm obsessed with it, and I've listened <laughs> to it so many times that I get it. Yeah. Like, and if you haven't ever heard it before, it is a lot because because there's rap so much happens and if Hamilton lyrics were sung at the pace of a normal musical it'd be six hours long so there's just like it's quite a like a lot going on and they're talking about like international relations and economic public policy via rap so I think like yeah I definitely the first time I listened to it I got not much out of it I was just like okay yeah it sounded cool but I didn't really get any of it um, I do think that that is like fair the to say. The lyrics were impressive. The lyrics were very impressive. I was sort of like, wow, like that was, you know, how did you rhyme that with that? Or, you know, like he yeah. just, I thought, I can't even think of an example off the top of my head, but it was just, it was very, um, it was very well uh, written. I, the I lyrics, have to give him that. Yeah, the lyrics are amazing. And so like most people in Australia, I started with just the lyrics and just the, uh, <laughs> just the soundtrack. Um and listen to it so many times and like even listening to it the more you listen to it the more you do get out of it like um even being a super fan like I'll still learn things about it like my sister was pointing out to me that when they're counting to nine in French all the time the little nine-year-old boy that's foreshadowing the jewel and the nine commandments in the jewel and like there's just little clever things it is interesting as well that you found that they changed characters confusing so basically there's like five main characters that in the second act the actor plays someone completely different and yeah it's actually not really explained no (laughs) and I loved Lafayette I thought he was amazing yeah Davy he was my favorite actor in the whole thing I know I'm so obsessed with him as well but the reason they did that I would have assumed they just did that out of convenience because like people were more important at some parts of the story and you could just like get the most out of the actors but actually it was really deliberate reason they did that and it was so that in the second act when they were all these new characters they didn't want the audience to feel like they were starting from scratch they wanted them to already be emotionally invested in the characters at like some deeper psychological level where they already cared about them that's weird no I get it I think it's really clever do you did it work for you yeah 
But again, watching Hamilton, I I knew that they were the same actors and I wasn't surprised. I um, like watching Hamilton as someone that likes the soundtrack, I think was very different to watching it with fresh eyes, I think. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I agree with you though about David Diggs who plays uh, Lafayette and Jefferson. He is so charismatic. Yeah, he's amazing. And, and sassy and hilarious. On TV, I thought it was very, very professional. It was almost like a, watching a movie and not a stage play. Like it was very, very, like the cameras were so in there and um, you could see the actors so closely. Like it was it was very well done. Yeah, so they filmed up. it over a number of performances, some that had a crowd and some that didn't. So they actually filmed those close-ups when they didn't have a crowd so that they could get the camera right up in everyone's faces. But it's oh. really clever. Like you, sometimes they also did zoom right in. Yeah, no, look, it was it was good. It was good. But um, I'm very confused. I don't understand the plot. So can you flesh that out for me, please? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the basic plot is this guy, Alexander Hamilton, grew up on this island in the Caribbean, the Caribbean as we call it, um, <laughs> and his father left and his mother died and he should have been like illiterate, but he's sort of turned into this amazing writer and he wrote this letter about how bad it was when a hurricane came through and destroyed his town and everyone was like oh my god this kid is a genius send him to New York he's going places and then he gets to New York and he's like I want to go places and like conquer the world and also free America from Britain and he starts like mingling and he's like I want to get in the war and like free America and everyone's like dude calm down like you're like yeah. pretty good at the war, but your skills are really like writing. You're very good at writing. He's like, well, that's super boring. Um, and they're like, just stay in your lane. Like you're great at writing. Yeah. <laughs> then they let him lead one battle so that he can totally be like, I was totally in the war. And they like win the war. What did you think of King George? King George was better in the musical than just listening to him. Um, he well, spits a lot. That was just He spits so much and it was so gross. I was like eating my brunch and I was like, oh, like what? Why does he keep spitting? Um, but he was very gross and I think that that was the point. You know, That was, was the point. Of, and yeah. that was the only actor played by a white person, which is Jonathan Groff, who is in Glee and also in Frozen. And I love Jonathan what? Groff. Who is he in Glee? He is um, Rachel's like boyfriend in like season one from the competing school. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember the character's name, but yeah, love him. I um, really don't, don't know my American history, so I was very confused from the very start. I was like, which king is this? Like, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> and why is there a king? <laughs> I mean, it's funny you say that because I was about to be really like, look, know. should I recap the plot? Spoilers. But it's like, well, you've had since the late 1700s to, to look this yeah, up. Get so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I'll just keep recapping the plot super quickly. Um, so they get freed from um, England and then they have to like make all the rules for the country and his wife is like look you know can we just be happy and chill with what we've got and he's like no I'm super ambitious I want to go like work for the president and then he's also got this arch nemesis Aaron Burr who's popping in and out and is kind of the other main character Lin-Manuel Miranda actually nearly played Burr and Burr yeah. has most of the great songs. Um, and so they're kind of like frenemies throughout the show. Then while he's like super busy um, trying to like do all these like economic public policy, his wife 
and her sister who is in love with him come and they're like go to holidays with us and he's like nah really busy saving the world and like writing this economic policy yeah so they go off and then um he basically like seduces a vulnerable woman who is in a domestic violence situation (laughs) and she's like please help me with some money and he's like how about my penis yeah (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) and like they bang and then um he's like god what have I done and then this other woman's husband is like you're famous and unless you give me lots of money I'll tell your wife but as long as you give me money you can keep this little arrangement you've got going on and then like other stuff happens other sort of political figures are in and they're having like yeah basically all of their public policy debates are conducted via rap battle basically like in eight mile (laughs) it was very yeah that was cool (laughs) I liked that as well um but what's interesting I think is like beyond just the like politician the reason Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote a musical about him was because he was such like an actually flawed and relatable person And so with the whole affair, basically what happens is he realises his enemies know and he thinks they're going to tell someone, so he decides to just publish it himself. Basically changes his Facebook status to, guess what, I had an affair for ages and publishes it all over the front pages. (laughs) (laughs) And his wife sings like this beautiful song, Burn, which I was obsessed with and has been in my Spotify top songs of the year for like a few years now. So good. It was sad, but I was just like, he don't don't know. He's kind of like everyone admired this Hamilton guy, but he was just like, just a cheating dick, you know, in the end. Yeah. And I think. He left his wife and child. Yeah. And I think that was the point. Like, it was a flawed portrayal of someone. And I think it's also like worth pointing out that everyone in the story was flawed and like they all owned slaves. And I think it's also really interesting that, like, Mm. yeah, it's interesting because it's, like, the colour-conscious casting, but the people that they were portraying were all, like, very white people. And even, like, the really iconic Skylar Sisters song when they're, like, you know, and when I meet Thomas Jefferson, I'm going to compel him to include women in the sequel work. And it's, like, well, votes were only for white women and things like that. So I think it is really interesting. Um, Mm, yeah true that I didn't kind of know that but then um so where did it get to in the end like what was the you know so he he made the national bank and he had some good public policies but like national why? bank has a good public policy no that was all on his high it goes down from there that was like his heyday and then um then George Washington who he had been George Washington's right hand man and George Washington was the first president and so when him and George were like Um, working together everything was great and then George Washington is like I want to step down and basically I want to demonstrate to Americans that we're not going to be like the monarchy anymore there's not going to be one leader for life and I want to demonstrate the peaceful transfer of power Mm. and so he sings this song um, called One Last Time and it always reminds me of Obama because Obama kind of said that as well when he um when he did his sort of, you know, he would only ever be able to stay for two terms um, and people knew that Trump had been elected against Hillary and 
as Obama was like giving his farewell speech, he was like, you know, the peaceful transfer of power between presidents is, you know, one of the founding things of this country. And it's interesting because Hamilton mm-hmm. was written during the Obama presidency. And then now we're like watching it in the Trump presidency. So basically George Washington steps down, other people become president, Adams becomes president, and then Jefferson is president. And Hamilton is like much more sort of on the outcast. He has his big sex scandal, which was like sort of the first public political sex scandal. I mean, it was the first president, so it didn't take (laughs) long. Um, Yeah. And then tragically, um, his son dies trying to defend his father's honour. And that sort of causes him and his wife to reconcile. And then she ends up kind of being like the true story, the true hero of the movie. So I think it's interesting. You're like, what's so good about Hamilton? Because I've seen some people be like, oh, Hamilton, you mean the movie about Eliza Hamilton who founded America's first (laughs) private orphanage in New York City? Did she? Yeah, that's in the lyrics. Is it in the lyrics? I missed that. It's in the lyrics of the last song. But as I said, you've got to watch it a few times to get the most out of it. But... Yeah, I do she think was beautiful. she's beautiful and I want to talk a bit more about the Obamas for a sec yeah. and just how they're integral to Hamilton <laughs> so you mentioned your favorite song is the first song yes so you have great taste that is the song that like started Hamilton off in 2009 so actually originally Lin-Manuel Miranda was writing a hip-hop album it's going to be like a concept oh. mixtape and Barack Obama had just been elected and the Obamas were running like an open house poetry night at their White House and he came along and he sung the first song from Hamilton and he's like I think the Treasury Secretary embodied hip-hop and like everyone was laughing at him but then (laughs) he it went viral they put it like the clip up on YouTube and then he's like actually this is not really just an album this could be a whole musical and so he wrote it yeah all during the Obama presidency and that song I was talking about before that reminds me of Obama so there's a bit in the song where um George Washington is singing along and they're reading actually his real speech and Lin-Manuel Miranda was inspired by Obama to write that because Will I Am had a song that he wrote to Obama's Yes We Can speech and so Obama would read the speech and Will I Am would sing. And there is this thing called the Hamilton mixtapes, which they released after Obama left office. They only came out more recently and they got all these like other musicians to sing the songs, all these covers. And they get Obama in and he is on the album what? and he reads the speech. And it is so beautiful. Though in reviewing the incidents of my administration, I am unconscious of intentional error. I'm nevertheless too sensible of my defects not to think it probable that I may have committed many errors. I shall also carry with me the hope that my country will view them with indulgence and that after 45 years of my life dedicated to its service with an upright zeal, the faults of incompetent abilities will be consigned to oblivion as I myself must soon be, to the mansions of rest. The lyrics are, like, really applicable to him leaving office as well. And everyone is like, we miss you. So Lin-Manuel Miranda just went to this open mic poetry night and rapped and Obama was there? 
<laughs> yes, <laughs> exactly. So basically the White House was like talking to musicians or poets. It was called like a spoken word open mic night about the American experience. And he was oh. like, oh, what about my hip hop album? And he totally, yeah, <laughs> everyone was laughing at him. And then Obama years later is like introducing him at the Tonys and he's like, we all laughed, but who's laughing now? Now it's like the most amazing thing ever. I'm glad you finally watched it. And I'm honestly not like surprised that you didn't completely get obsessed with it from one viewing. Because as I said, like, I think it takes time to fully absorb. And like, I definitely didn't get much out of it the first time I had to like Google who everyone was. And then I was like, oh. Yeah, but I do appreciate a good production and those costumes and dancing were on point and it was very cool. So, you know, check it out. See if you're on Grace's or my team with that one. (laughs) (laughs) And I guess one final thing with Hamilton is that the main characters, Burr and Hamilton, so they're sort of, yeah, as I said, arch nemesis, frenemies throughout the whole thing. But then right at the, like, second last song, they have this just, like, sledging match where they're feuding. And Lin-Manuel Miranda says that he was inspired for this line in their feud from um, Amy Poehler in Parks and Rec. And he says, Hamilton says to Burr, here's a list of 35 years of disagreements, an itemised list. And he's like, that is so Leslie Nope. Like, put it in a binder, put it in a list. Like, so petty, so funny. <laughs> so Leslie Nope. Oh, my God, I love Parks and Rec. Oh, and speaking of petty feuds, that's where we're heading next. So everyone loves a good feud. Um, <laughs> Get the popcorn. <laughs> Get the popcorn. Some... More legitimate than others. From the likes of Batman and the Joker, Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader, Channel 7 and Channel 9, (laughs) Sydney or Melbourne, or Married at First Sight and The Bachelor franchise. Um, (laughs) What a feud. (laughs) But we have taken a look into some of the more obscure petty feuds that you may not have heard of. That's right. So today I am going to tell you about what has been called the greatest feud in wellness history. Oh, yes. Yes. (laughs) So, and look, I'd never heard of this, so I would be very surprised if you or any of our listeners have. It's pretty weird. So basically, there are two people at the centre of the feud. One is the founder of a juice company called Moon Juice. So the bio of Moon Juice on Instagram is plant-sourced alchemy to elevate body, beauty, and consciousness. Oh, gross. (laughs) (laughs) And as you may imagine, the ladies at Goop are big fans. So Moon Juice is founded by a woman named Amanda Chantel Bacon, and she's basically the American Pete Evans. (laughs) So... Well, less conspiracy theories, though, to be fair to her. But do you remember, like, years ago when everyone was making fun of Pete Evans' My Day on a Plate profile where he said he ate activated almonds and stuff? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) I remember that. So she also became famous after she did a Day on Her Plate interview in Elle and said that most days she eats three tablespoons of soft and chewy bee pollen. (laughs) 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 Activated cashews and... As well as just a whole bunch of words nobody has heard of, like how does one activate a cashew or a yeah, garment? Exactly. Like, the hell? But 
Hashtag wellness. So yeah. that's her. And then the other character in this feud is a singer-songwriter called Father John Misty. I don't know why he's called that. I looked him up and he's not a priest. He's just some singer. Okay. So basically what went down was one day Amanda Chantel Bacon posted on Instagram a photo of a rose quartz crystal in her juice shop and the following caption. Please return the crystal. Our rose quartz was stolen from the Silver Lake shop. This loving rock has given so much to an entire community and has much more to share. To whomever took her out the door, you do not want the energy of a stolen crystal. Please trust me. (laughs) Anyone who can find her and help her find her way back home will be hugged and fed. No questions, just thanks. (laughs) You don't want the energy of a stolen crystal, trust me. Yeah, exactly. Now, this is where Father John Misty comes in. So who is he? He's just a random. He's just a random. He's a singer-songwriter. Okay. Um, he's a- he had some songs, but yeah, I've never heard of him. <laughs> but he was famous enough to be a celebrity, and he posts on his Instagram and claims responsibility for the disappearance of the Rose Quartz Crystal. Right. And I need to read you his entire Instagram caption because I just do. So... <laughs> There has been, understandably, a not insignificant outcry regarding the alleged theft of the Rose Quartz Crystal from the Eco Park Moon Juice pictured above. I am here to claim responsibility, though I do not condone the rhetoric employed in Moon Juice's post. To claim that something has been stolen is in itself a tacit endorsement of the capitalist values that blended superfoods and locally sourced produce stands for. <laughs> <laughs> The universe, however you may define her, brought this crystal into my life. I could what only be described as a pivotal moment. As my Saturn returned within the last year, I found myself unsatisfied with a culture at large that insists on attributing rigid currency-based value to objects that are naturally occurring and can be procured freely at any number of energy central dispensaries located nearly anywhere within a well-defined boundaries of globalization. Yeah. So he broke into the shop and stole this crystal. Well, he's saying he did. He's saying he's he's claiming that he did, but most people think he's just trolling her. Um, And he doesn't have the crystal. No, but that he's just like still pretending he does. Um, Wouldn't she have reported it it to the police? Like, and he would have had to give it back to her if it was shoplifted. Yeah, and I also don't think it's worth that much. I don't know. Maybe rose rose, rose quartz is expensive, but yeah, yeah. Look, and look, maybe they were pursuing legal action under the scenes, but all the public could see was what went back and forth um, on Instagram. Yep. So I've only read probably a third of his statement, but I'll leave it there. It goes on and on. Um, I'll just give you one more line. Yeah. As a practicing Buddhist, I can only advise you to try to remember the crystal is only a random phenomena. And if it happens to find my, its way into my pocket and that pocket happens to leave your store, creating some ownership possession theft narrative will only cause you more pain as you will be attempting to find significance where there is none. <laughs> if he and- is trolling her and he's just joking, this is hilarious. I think that, yeah, look, who really knows? But she responded 
by posting on Instagram a picture burning a voodoo doll that looked like him. Oh, my God. To, like, cleanse the energy of something. And then he responded, this is the best part and the grand finale. Okay. <laughs> Ready? He, he responded by, on his website, selling for $45 a pair <laughs> rose quartz earrings. And the, he said, <laughs> trust me, you do want this energy in your life. <laughs> <laughs> my god yes so hilarious father john misty but since father john misty has actually just like deleted his instagram and twitter just deactivated himself and just gone away um to stop trolling poor juice bar goop ladies (laughs) so yeah it's pretty funny though (laughs) so he so he's just kind of dropped off the face of the planet now yeah, look, I think he's still doing stuff, um, but yeah, I think he stepped away from the spotlight a bit. This was his and, yeah, big he's... break. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Getting involved in a petty feud on Instagram. <laughs> exactly. So 2020. Oh, that is hilarious. Well, my petty feud also heavily involves Instagram. <laughs> Excellent. So this one... Um, is one that I certainly didn't know about, but um, other people may. Uh, It's an art feud in the art world. And Mm. um, I first discovered it uh, on the Just the Gist podcast with Rosie Waterland and Jacob Stanley, that's amazing, um, who do a full in-depth discussion on this. So basically the story goes that Anish Kapoor, who's a very famous artist, um, he's actually known for a bean sculpture, uh, that you might have uh, seen, um, which is also known as Cloudgate for some reason. And yeah, I think that's in TV shows and stuff. It's like really yeah. famous. It like looks like a big bean. You can like walk under it. Yeah, like it's massive. Yep. And um, Anish Kapoor likes prestige art uh, and exclusive art. But there's this rival artist called Stuart Semple who likes Ooh, accessible cute. art. Yes, like accessible art for the people. So they're both eccentric, but very different. So same, same, but different. Um, And at one point there was a groundbreaking paint created by science experts called Vanta Black. And this involved nanotechnology that traps light. So it looks as if you're stepping into the abyss. Um, Mm. And it's basically second to the black hole which um, the paint was invented by the military. Um, So Anish Kapoor bought this and it is solely owned by him and he wouldn't let anyone have it or use it for the rest of time. So nobody can access this paint that like all artists were desperate to use. Um, But they, and they hated Anish Kapoor because he wouldn't let them have it. So is he just doing his own black paintings? He did he this. Share? He's done this one famous painting where in a gallery he painted a hole on the ground and it just looks like like there there's no floor there or something because it's black. Is that a Mona? Mona? In Tassie? Oh, maybe it is. They have something like that in Mona. I don't know if it's that or not, but it like it's really weird and they're like, don't walk too close to it and like you can't tell if it's like a big pit or is it like... What yeah, is. or is it just a flat uh, surface on the ground, but it looks like you're yeah, 
that it's going down. Uh, anyway, so that's uh, what I think he used it for, uh, mm. you know, to the best of his ability. Then little socialist artist uh, Stuart Semple steps in and makes a new colour <laughs> called the Pinkest Pink and Aww. made it available for about three bucks. Oh, so, that's way better. <laughs> yeah. So this uh, Vanta Black uh, that was owned by Anish Kapoor, I'm pretty sure that, like, you had to be a bazillionaire to be able to buy any of it anyway. So when this product was advertised, he had a tagline that said, this product is available to everyone except Anish Kapoor. No. And- <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, that's petty. And then when you go into your cart to purchase an item – before you were allowed to complete your purchase, you had to sign a disclaimer, which was the following. By adding this product to your cart, you confirm that you are not Anish Kapoor. You are not oh affiliated God. with Anish Kapoor. You are not purchasing <laughs> this on behalf of Anish Kapoor or an associate oh of Anish Kapoor. And to the best of your knowledge, this will not make it into the hands of Anish Kapoor. Hashtag oh share the black. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> yes. Wow. It's so the he's most gone amazing the opposite way. Thing. So Anish Kapoor wouldn't share it and Stuart Simple would share it with everyone but him. Yeah, it was so funny. And so um, <laughs> Anish Kapoor attempted to get back at Stuart Semple by posting an Insta pic of his rude finger dipped in a jar of the pinkest pink and shoving it at the camera. <laughs> Who gave it to him? Someone broke their contract. Their terms yes. of condition. So... I haven't made a, a note of this, but he did find out who it was. And um, apparently it was someone at the gallery or whatever, the Lison Gallery. Mm. And um, he could trace it back. And he said, well, you can um, do one of two things. You can uh, reimburse the three ninety nine, dollars uh, and then share the black. <laughs> or, mm. or I want a full apology in writing you know, to Stuart Semple or whatever. And obviously nobody responded and nothing came of that. (laughs) And and, um, on this Insta pic, all the amazing super fan followers of Stuart Semple uh, started responding to the pink rude finger photo saying, okay, Bean Boy. (laughs) Oh, my God. That's so good. Like, okay, Boomer. (laughs) Okay, Bean Boy. And I think that there's actually, like, now um, some day where um, people are just going to go and stick a dildo on the um, bean. Oh, that seems mean. That's too far. I think, yeah, that's a little bit funny. Uh (laughs) (laughs) So Semple didn't stop at the pinkest pink. He then went on to create the glitteriest glitter. Ah, <laughs> was... uh, that sounds amazing. Yes. Um, and he's made like the yellowest yellow, the goldest gold. Um, and then he actually Can made... Can I ask a technical question? Yes. So when you explain the blackest black is like absorbing light, that kind of makes sense. How do you get something like the pinkest pink, the yellowest yellow? You don't. So Yeah, okay. Um, so so they're not as impressive <laughs> as the black. They have Them a disclaimer. Like... He's just so funny. Um, and he, so he has a disclaimer as well. He's like, we actually don't know if this is the pinkest pink, but it was the best we could come up with. Yeah, <laughs> and it was just, pink. it's just the whole point was to get back at Anish Kapoor. Yeah. Uh, he does create some very cool products that are a very, um, uh, very low priced. So artists are able to access them. 
So then Anish Kapoor created Vanta Black 2.0, but exclusively available only to Anish Kapoor and no one else. Again. So, <laughs> again. And so then Stuart Semple actually created the Blackest Black 2.0, which was actually better than Vanta Black 2.0. Like it was amazing. Apparently. And um wow. he- <laughs> How is he doing this? Has he got like donors that are like anti elitism giving him money to do oh, this? Or he's absolutely. just dedicated his life to this. Like, yeah, he just dedicates both, his life yeah. to this and he makes a lot of yeah. money from paint and stuff um that he sells, but basically there's no profit, it just all goes into creating new paints and things like that. So he ended up um calling his <laughs> His line of colours and things, the artiest art supplies. <laughs> and actually, um, he's now got a shop in London with security guards out the front. And he makes people sign declarations out the front um, wow. of the same wording, that they are not Anish Kapoor, they are not affiliated with Anish Kapoor, they are not associated with Anish Kapoor, and to the best of their knowledge, this will not end up into the hand, up in the hands oh of Anish Kapoor. <laughs> I just love the detail that they have the security guards and it's like their one job is just to look out for Anish Kapoor's face and stop entering the store. They have a laminated photo of his face. <laughs> but i've got to say it's one of the best feuds i've ever heard of and it is so funny and um there's uh, there's going to be more to this um you know samples on insta and there's always new colors being created it's very interesting like do you think it's a publicity stunt and they're both in on it and it's like a huge public art piece that they're both doing no because anish kapoor is not really benefiting at all (laughs) right he's just getting trolled and he's just getting being buoyed yeah. Okay, Bean Boyd, yeah. Um <laughs> Share the paint. Come on. He actually sued him at one point, I think, um, for using uh Anish Kapoor attempted to sue Stuart Semple for using his name to get ahead, you know, um ah. in this using this feud. But um obviously nothing ever came of that because you can't sue somebody for that. <laughs> mm. And so that's that's the summary. That's Stuart Semple and Anish Kapoor. And you can buy a T-shirt, which I will be doing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I want to see this T-shirt. And I also really uh, want to see photos of the glitteriest glitter and the pinkest pink. Mm, same. I'd be very into the pinkest pink. Someone actually told me the most random fun fact about the colour pink the other day. Mm-hmm. So... Do you know that they actually paint some prisons bright Barbie pink to reduce what? aggressive behaviour and violence? Oh, my God. What? Yeah. I've it's never seen a pink prison. Thing. Yeah. Well, so there was a science experiment in the 70s. Um, of course it was the 70s. And it's a little bit sexist <laughs> in sort of its assumptions. Basically, I think it's meant to be like pink is a effeminate colour and it will make you sort of get in touch with your feminine side and stop being so aggro and so google it it's called um baker pink or something like that because baker was the guy that did the experiment and still to this day there's actually like heaps of prisons where all the cells are painted bright pink it's super weird Wow. How has this not come up in TV shows? (laughs) True. Why hasn't it? I mean, I do have to say, I think if I was in a prison, I would feel better if everything was pink. Well, it's better than... It's got a human touch. 
better than concrete, but you wouldn't want wall-to-wall pink. You'd go insane, I feel, you know? Yeah, and apparently there was another study as well that did find it reduced aggression for the first 20 minutes, but then everyone was like, their aggression super rose because they were like, get me out of this constant pink prison. But anyway, that's a huge tangent. That's not a feud. It's just a key <laughs> hilarious fact. But I loved that Stuart Semple and Ish Kapoor feud. Like, what the hell? I know. It's the pettiest feud and it's so entertaining and it's the gift that keeps on giving because things just keep happening. <laughs> it gives Hamilton and Aaron Burr a run for their money, i got to say. All right, time for the hill I'm willing to die on. again at our brand new segment hill to die on so grace please tell me what hill are you dying on this week (laughs) i've got a random one for you this week and look this week the hill i'm willing to die on is that to call a drink coca-cola is completely misleading to call what you get in a can what you get in a bottle and what you get at macca's or coca-cola they're three completely different drinks (laughs) (laughs) That is so true. Isn't it? And can is the worst tasting one. And Macca's is obviously the best tasting one. Right? Like, this is (laughs) fact. No. 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 No, Coke out of a can is really good. (gasps) But Macca's is really good because it's on ice. But apparently it's watered down. It is. water it down. That's why I like it. So at Macca's, they deliver Coca-Cola syrup. And then on the spot at Macca's, they mix that with soda water and it comes out Mm. and goes into the can. Um, And they say they follow these really strict guidelines so that it's supposed to taste exactly like what's in the bottle. And I think it's more than just the ice. I do think it's like waterier and I prefer it and it's like way better than canned Coke that's too fizzy. You're right that it is amazing. Like having a Macca's Coke. um, So refreshing. Especially if you're feeling... A little bit seedy, maybe. Yeah. Um, it's possibly one of the best things that you can indulge in. <laughs> and while we're at it, Coke, obviously, not anything like Pepsi. Yes. Vastly different. And it's so much better. <laughs> yeah. Like, I know a lot of people that refuse to drink Pepsi. I'll still get Pepsi if I'm at a restaurant. You know how some people have a contract with Pepsi, some have it with Coke. I will, I'll drink a Pepsi, but yeah, it's not the same drink. But I also just think neither is it from the bottle, the can, or the machine. And so if you're at a restaurant or something, they need to specify. Because if I'm ordering a Coke at a restaurant and then you just bring me a can, I'm like, but your machine. (laughs) Why do you think I came out of my house? Though I do have a soda stream, so maybe I just need to try mixing a nice soda streamy, watery Coke at home. But I wouldn't call that Coke because, again, these are all completely different drinks. They are... You have a great point there. Um, I'm with you. Yeah. What about you? What's yours this week? Mine this week is stupid um, Channel 10 and Channel 7 and Channel 9, those ads that they make you watch when you watch something on catch-up TV. Yes. What is with that? Oh, my Do you want us to pirate content? (laughs) Do you want us to look to alternative websites and not look at this? Because this is ridiculous. I find if I've like, you know, 
if, if I was watching The Bachelor, for instance, and then um, I've refreshed the page or it stops working because that happens on that website all the time. And then I have to, if I want to scroll to the end of the episode, it makes me watch four sets of ads before no. I'm allowed. Yes. And it's often the same ad four times. So you're like, I get it. It's the same goddamn ad. And I have not been so angry at the ads that I've had to watch so much that whoever you are, whoever you're selling, your, you want to sell your products on Channel 10, like the amount of times that I've watched an ad for the same thing, that product is not being sold to me. I hate that product now yeah, so much. I think <laughs> advertising executives and mainstream media organisations do really need to take that feedback on board because actually like ads are dead. It's- Horrible. If you're going to insert yeah. them forcibly into people's content, you need to be doing like a viral Instagram campaign people want to share because it's hilarious or something. But you can't force yeah. people to watch ads anymore because we have so many high quality streaming platforms with no ads. So, you know, you can't compete with them if you're going That's to have true. ads. Or at least if I have to fast forward to the end of the episode, at least have the decency to remember where I was up to and not force me to watch those ads from the very beginning as if I just walked into it. There should be like a little test to like the learning outcomes of the ad. It's like, what's the ad on sale? And you can be like, I've seen, I know, I can answer this. Watch the ad. You know, maybe this is, you know what I mean? Exactly, exactly. Great idea. It's just, it's awful. And while we're at it, the shock tactic ads that they've put in them, I've had to watch the workplace one where the guy falls off the ladder. Oh, no. Possibly 100 times. Are you serious? Because of this issue, Grace. Oh, no. (laughs) So not only am I watching uh, Better Burgers at Hungry Jack's or whatever, I'm getting this shock tactic ad that is horrific and the smoke alarm one. I just... Oh, my God. Oh, man. Too many. Too many shock tactic ads. It's enough emotional. Like, all I want to do is come home from work, relax, and watch some trash. I don't want to watch a hundred times on repeat a WorkSafe ad. Mm. (laughs) It's, like, just horrendous. So, yeah, that's the hill I'm willing to die on. Yeah, and I hope those advertising executives are out there listening to you. Or the website creators, just do better. (laughs) Stop forcing me to watch them. (laughs) All right. And finally, what are we going to recommend this week? So my first recommendation this week is Love on the Spectrum, which is an Australian show. Um, It's now available on Netflix, but it was originally on ABC iview. And it's about... um, people on the autism spectrum uh, dating (laughs) and it's about their families it's about um, the different types of um, people on the spectrum and how it presents and uh, you know what obstacles they've overcome and it is just the most delightful inspiring gorgeous show I think that because um, you know perhaps perhaps they're uh, lack of embarrassment um Mm. it's just I think they are just so honest um everyone who's in the show all the people are just beautiful um and so earnest yeah they want and what they say and it's so interesting to see two people go on a date who just say exactly what they want yeah and 
it's fascinating. It's like, oh my God, we could really learn a thing or two. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Um, and it's it's hilarious, but it's done in a really like um lovely way. Like it's not it's laughing uh with them at the you know at the situation and everyone's feeling awkward they they feel awkward and um the families are sort of you know beautiful and supportive and it's just it's so sweet yeah it's a I'll second cuddle of a show I'll second this recommendation because I watched this a while ago on iview and I was wondering why everyone's suddenly talking about it again so that makes sense yeah. it's recently come to Netflix yeah it's now worldwide acclaim and Michael who was the really really romantic one has yeah. um become like an icon and he, he just really wants love he really wants to be a husband and um and it's so nice to hear a man say that oh it's so nice and so many men say it um on the show which is very very interesting and um it's it's just lovely it's lovely to watch it's so honest and it's so sweet to see um you know everyone dating yeah I really enjoyed that too there's some awesome people on there my recommendation I don't know if you'll have heard of the name of this comedy duo, but you would know their faces. So they're called Freudy and Nip, and mm. they're two, like, um, Australian women. And they went really viral a few years ago when there was the Malcolm Turnbull leadership spill, and they did this skit where they were pretending to be private school girls. Do you remember that? Um, Vaguely? Oh no. Vaguely, yes. Like I remember two schoolgirls dressing up yes. as prime ministers or something. Exactly. No, this is them. Why? So they basically like did this skit that was really famous where they were basically like talking about how basically immature the leadership spill was and that it was like um yeah, fighting over where they were going to have the school formal and like the school NBN, you know, being the, obviously the national NBN rollout and stuff. But their videos are so, so funny. So they still post like new videos every week. I haven't ever seen them go as viral as I did with that one. Um, yeah. But I highly, highly recommend you follow them on Facebook and get the reminders for every time they drop a new video because they've got very good isolation content. So... Often, awesome. often they play like marketing executives. So like, yeah, we've got to like rebrand lockdown. Like people are like over the saving lives thing. Like we need something like better. Like what's our vibe? Like what are we thinking? But they're just <laughs> like, they're really good. Um, yeah. And like, there was one where they were like, I think we need to stop cancel culture. And the other one's like, is that because you got canceled? They're like, yeah. <laughs> 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 so, so yeah good. check oh out God. Freudian nip I can't wait to get on that <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> that's brilliant uh well my second one is actually my good friend Ella's new clothing company that she started it's called warm core awesome. and uh, she's got an instagram um she just sort of started doing making these awesome jumpers in quarantine. I have one, and uh, she made a couple of dog versions for Louis. Yeah, uh, I was going to say <laughs> he's wearing that on our podcast um, photo. He's in on our podcast. Yeah, he's so trendy. He's so trendy. He's so hipster now, and he's got four different options now. But um, so these jumpers just went off, and she's just um, pretty shocked by um, the amazing reaction she's had to them, and. Um, so she's, they're just beautiful, warm, really uh, loud colors of fleece. And it's just, 
they're just awesome and so different to anything you've seen before. So cool. And coming into the spring, she's changing into a new line of crazy skibbies. So she's, yeah, she's just an awesome designer, uh, very cool person and check her out warm core clothing so good because you know if she's usually working on like costume and set design obviously not many productions really being performed right now so turning her skills into the skibbies that's what the people need right now great that's it we need the skibbies yeah awesome (laughs) and my last one so remember last season I was like oh I've kind of run out of things to talk about as recommendations because I just watched Grey's Anatomy so I just yeah. wanted to give you an update on my progress with Grey's Anatomy and recommendation <laughs> for Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> so, please, yes. Yeah. How's that going? So, back in episode three last season, I was only up to season six, but now I'm up to yeah. season 14. Great. Amazing. I recommend. So it's good. so good. Um, so much happens. How good does it get? It gets as so well. good. And there's so much we didn't yeah. have time to talk about on the show. So, I'm still super surprised by stuff. And even the things I knew were happening so much more epic when they actually happen on the show like the music the acting everyone on it is brilliant amazing oh yep yeah and are you a Meredith convert now like she's amazing now I agree Meredith gets amazing um yeah so the latest seasons are definitely worth sticking around for so yeah that's my plug later seasons of Grey's Anatomy keep I'm going so impressed so <laughs> impressed that you've <laughs> kept it up all the way to season 14 babe it's a good effort <laughs> I'm nearly there I definitely am gonna get up to date <laughs> well that's it from us join us next week where for Treasury we're going to be talking about the internet conspiracy theory QAnon it's a really strange pro-Trump conspiracy theory that's everywhere and has millions of followers and more and more followers in Australia lately. So I think it's important to talk about it. Yeah, it's getting a lot of traction at the moment. But on the flip side of that, we will be talking about an absolutely adorable and gorgeous show called Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist on Stan. So if you show. haven't, yeah, if you haven't seen it, watch it and join us for the conversation next week. See you next Tuesday, everyone. Please note that the views expressed within this podcast are our own and we are not experts. We've done some serious Googling and even some serious internet deep dives, but we are by no means qualified. If you need actual advice, please speak to a licensed professional. We can even help you Google one.